Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. So glad you're tuning in today. In today's episode, we are talking about self-care for skeptics. This word, it's a buzzword. It's thrown around all the time. I mean, we've heard about the importance of it so much that like maybe it's lost a little bit of its potency, like how important this is. And how do we actually integrate it into our lives tangibly, especially with the busyness of our lives as parents. To explore this a little bit further, I invited Taylor Elise Morrison onto the podcast. She's an author, facilitator, and coach making well-being and personal development more accessible. Through her company, Inner Workout, and her book of the same name, Taylor supports people's journeys to know, care for, and become their full selves. This episode is real talk about why the wellness industry is booming, yet we're not feeling cared for in our everyday lives. I loved this conversation with Taylor. I think you're going to learn so much from her, and I think you're going to leave the conversation with a better understanding of why you're skeptical, what's been getting in the way, and what steps to take next. Speaking of caring for yourself, if you are a California-based resident, our group practice is currently accepting new clients. You can visit our website, www.drcassidymft.com, to learn all about our therapy services for parents. And if you reach out on the contact page, you're emailing me directly, and I will do my best to make sure that you get set up with the right fit for you. If you're not a California resident, I understand that you're also looking for support. And so I created a blog post about how to find a therapist that takes a similar approach if this podcast resonates with you. So you can click on that link in the show notes to take your first step towards getting the support that you deserve. All right, you ready? Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and be in conversation with me. I am really looking forward to this. I was recently on your podcast, Inner Warm Up, and it was such a such a meaningful conversation, one that I honestly reflect on a lot. Um, and I've gotten such great feedback from the listeners of your podcast about, and I'm just thrilled to be in conversation with you again 
And since I'm talking about that episode, I'll be sure to link your podcast and that, and that episode um, in the show notes for the listener after they, after they listen to this one where we talked about being the strong friend and intellectualizing and how that can, how that can show up and how that can get in the way. <laughs> and so um, I just loved, loved connecting with you then and so excited to connect with you today. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We were chatting a little before we press record. I loved that episode and I'm super excited to have another opportunity to chat with you and to be in conversation. Yes. So Inner Warm-Up is your podcast, but share with us a little bit more about who you are, what lights you up about your work so that the listener can get to know you as well. Absolutely. So my name is Taylor Elise Morrison. I'm the founder of a company called Inner Workout. And I also had a book come out earlier this year also called Inner Workout. And it always feels pretty ironic to me that my my work – so I'm the founder of this company. I'm a facilitator. I'm a coach. And so much of my work is kind of at the intersection of well-being and personal development and leadership. And I talk a lot about self-care. And people tend to think, especially I'll get feedback like, oh, your voice is so calming. You sound so grounded. <laughs> and people will kind of assume that I'm like this person who has all of my self-care stuff together. And really, I come to this work because I need it, because I've burned myself mm -hmm. out a lot of times. And I needed a more meaningful way and a practical way to practice self-care. And it somehow ended up becoming my life's work. Mm. So it's beautiful. And it's funny you say that <laughs> because I also get the feedback a lot about um, your voice is so soothing and, you know, like, and I'm like, you know, that's great. I'm so glad people are soothed by my voice. I mean, podcasts, it's, 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 there's alignment there. And the reason that I talk about the things that I do, like, you know, rage as a mom and, you know, the struggle with like, perfectionism and how that just leads to challenges in relationships and motherhood and taking care of yourself. And it's because I know all those things so intimately, you know, and also because I talk about these things because I need to be talking about these things because it's part of the work that I will be continuously engaged in for the rest of my life as a human being too. So yeah, super soothing voices coming to you that also like, are not always so soothed, personally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the self-care. Let's talk about self-care for skeptics. I mean, like, self-care is just one of those words that's thrown around all the time, right? Like we've we've heard about the importance of self-care from so many different angles now at this point as humans. And that's great. I mean, I'm sure there was a time where caring for self, right, as a human, for me as a mom and for the listeners as, as parents, like where that was not something that was discussed as something that should be a priority, right? And so the thing, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we are now talking about the importance of caring for ourselves. And I think there's a lot of folks out there that have heard it so many times 
that it's almost like lost its glimmer, right? Like it's almost like lost its power. Um, there's a lot of folks that are really skeptical about what that can look like in their busy lives or what that actually looks like logistically and intangibly. So talk to us, Taylor. Self-care for skeptics. What's your message to them? Yeah, I would say that even though I run a self-care company, I'm pretty skeptical about the way that self-care is talked about in the mainstream and the way that it's positioned. I know for me, I mentioned earlier how I was constantly in the cycle of burning myself out. And at that time, the way that I thought I practiced self-care would be like to buy something Mm -hmm. or to try and like take a little bit of time off as if that would counteract the way that my life was set up that wasn't actually set up in a way to be supportive for me. And eventually the definition that I started using for self-care, and it's the one that's in the book and in everything that we do for inner workout, is that self-care is listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. And Mm -hmm. that definition sounds relatively simple, like listening within and responding in the most loving way possible. But it unlocked so much for me self-care like stopped being a specific task that I needed to do, a specific like formula that I needed to follow, a certain amount of money I had to spend on something mm-hmm. and became this conversation I was constantly having with myself to check in like, what do I need right now? How can I give that self, give that to myself with love using the resources that I have? And so I find that when people are skeptical of self-care, it's not that they're skeptical of the idea of caring for themselves, but they've been skept- they're skeptical of the solutions that have been sold to them, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I resonate so deeply with this. When I think about my relationship with self-care, you know, several years ago, I think that, yeah, it looked like when I thought of, okay, I need, I need more self-care in my life, it looked like I need a vacation right? So like, I just need like to make everything stop for like a period of time. And and then, you know, I just got back from a, a two-week trip and I need a vacation from my trip of parenting in the wild with my children. Like it was, it was not relaxing. Um, so it's either like, yeah, I need to like a vacation to make everything stop or I need I think it would look like exercise, you know? It was like, oh, I need to, to exercise to, to take care of myself. And we could unpack the reason why that was the message that I had absorbed about what self-care should look like. Or it looked like buying something, you know? Like I need to just have this product or I need to like enroll in this thing or buy this thing. And then that's how I will know how to take care of myself. And I love, I love your definition of looking inward to see what you need and to respond to that in a loving way. And it's not simple, as you said. I mean, turning inward and connecting with these different parts of ourselves is, is asking us oftentimes to, um, to meet certain parts of ourself that are going to be really painful to meet and that we might 
um, feel unequipped to meet, right? Um, or it's a very vulnerable experience. It's asking us sometimes to get out of our heads and into our bodies, which many of us don't have like practice in doing. And then to respond and then to notice the need and to respond in a loving way. When I think for a lot of us, what we learned early on is that our needs are too much or our needs don't matter or our needs are, um, yeah, just too much, you know? Um, and so let's, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Um, maybe first I actually want to start with the like ideas of what we initially thought self-care was supposed to be, right? So time away or vacation, it had to be this one certain thing that you needed to fit into your schedule, right? Like this new thing to add, like exercise um, or to buy something. Like talk, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the context of, of why we may have come to believe that those were the answers to self-care? Yeah. I mean, we've come to believe it because that's what we've been told and that's what we've been sold. And self-care in particular is something that wasn't talked about in the mainstream and then kind of hit this crescendo, especially in 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. around the, the pandemic. And there is all of these different messages because people realized, oh, people are feeling stressed out. They're being, they're feeling burned out. If we can position our product or service as Mm. self-care and as something that can either solve the problem or that people need to be doing and almost guilt trip them, you should be doing this if you are really serious about your self-care. So I really want to like relieve some of the pressure and the guilt that may have felt self-imposed, but a lot of it is also due to the messaging that's gone on, the marketing that's gone on around self-care. Capitalism. Capitalism enters the room. (laughs) Exactly. Majorly. And I just think of how many companies saw it as a market opportunity and kind of played on things that were always there. Like you were mentioning how you felt that self-care had to be like exercise. And you can see how diet culture weaves into that. Or for other people, it's like I self-care is doing my 10-step beauty routine. And then like beauty culture and beauty standards start to get into it. So self-care almost becomes this catch-all where these other standards, these things that we've been told to be could kind of latch on to this umbrella term of Mm self-care and make us feel guilty. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is like now noticing my needs and responding to it in a loving way and caring for myself in those ways There are elements of my life that incorporate things like movement for my body, right? And or, um, you know, taking taking care of my skin, you know, in in the evening and taking a few extra steps, you know, in a a way that kind of really nourishes my soul, you know, Um, and just, you know, reminds me that I 
have a body that deserves care in these ways too, right? And so it's like some some of the things that I still do to care for myself look maybe similar to what I had and what you're, what you're describing here, right? You know, in terms of like what had been kind of sold to me of what I needed to be doing in order to be really serious about self-care and then ended up leaving feeling more like shame and guilt and not, <laughs> not well. Um, but it's, it is the, it is the process of coming to the decision of noticing that my body is really craving movement and it's like I might still get on the Peloton, for instance, to move my body, but it comes from a very different place and it's a very different experience. Whereas previously, because I got a Peloton, right, like during COVID and like put it on my schedule of things that I had to do and should be doing and and then and really hated it, you know, like and then felt really guilty when I when it was collecting dust and <clears throat> but now Right, like while previously it might have been like I should be doing this thing, I have to, you know, I, I'm looking at the leaderboard, I'm looking at like the numbers of where where they're saying I'm supposed to be at, like, and I'm trying to keep up. Now I might notice, I think my body's really craving some movement. Maybe that means I'm going to go for a walk outside, or if if you know my baby's napping and I can't get outside, or you know the weather, I'm going to jump on the Peloton. And I'm going to watch something and I'm going to listen to my body while I'm doing this in a way that's honoring where I'm at and what my like intention here is. And it's really just movement. Sometimes it's movement. Sometimes it's I'm going to let my, my complete the stress cycle and let my brain know like, hey, we're running from the lion here. You felt like you, like you have felt like there's a lion chasing you all day and there isn't, but your body like might just need some movement to move through this stress cycle, right? And what that oftentimes looks like for me is I'm like, I'll watch like a Cody Rigsby Peloton and I'm actually not even keeping up. I'm not doing the things that he's doing in that, for that moment because it doesn't. that's not what my, my body feels like it needs. I'm going at a pace that is feeling good for me right here, right now, listening to his jokes, listening to the music and act, and, and then not even finishing it. <laughs> you know, like it's a 30-minute exercise and at 20 minutes I'm like, I think I'm good. And it's such a different experience, right? Um, and so sometimes it can look like these things, but it's a different process and relationship with the steps that we're taking. Does that does that resonate? Yeah, it does. And there was something really important that you said in there that I want to draw out. You use the word like decide. And I think part of what we're doing when we use this approach to self-care of listening within and responding with love is we're giving ourselves a choice because mm. I, I see this sometimes when I'm working with coaching clients. Like if you haven't defined something for yourself or you haven't chosen something for yourself, you're generally just by osmosis operating off of someone else's, it could be definition of self-success. It could be definition of self-care. It could be what movement has to look like. So when you make that choice, when you start to define something for yourself, the experience totally changes. You still might be moving your body. You still might be doing skincare in the evening, but it's something that you decided to do for you and you know why you're doing it versus 
I'm trying to look like Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever, and she does that. So I'm going to try and do that too. Like you said, very, very different experience. And just knowing that the listener is most likely a parent, um, and a lot of our, a lot of the conversations that I've had previously on the podcast talking about parenting and <clears throat> how we engage with our children around everything from them having big feelings to meal times to like potty learning, you know, um, I think that one thing that we can do to support our children in being in their 30s one day and being able to engage in self-care in this really loving, honoring, like agency way is, you know, being able to say things to them like, you're the only one in your body, you know, that knows what you need, that knows when you need to go pee, that knows when you're full, that knows like when there's something inside that doesn't feel right and it's going to come out in the way that it does, right? Loud and big and um, or overwhelming at times, right? For you and for me. Um, but that that's, but that we can honor that like you're the only one in your body that knows what it is that you need to do, to express, right? Like, and, and I think that what's a really challenging but also powerful beautiful process as a parent is the parallel process of doing our best you know to show up for our kids in these ways and give them those opportunities to honor that they're the only one in their body that knows what they feel and need um that we can also come back and meet the parts of us that may have learned to squash that or to not trust those part, those that that feeling or that belief in ourselves of feeling something or needing something, and reparent that part in in some of these ways, right? Of like, you know, I I spend every day in conversation with a much younger version of myself. I can picture her. I picture kind of the space in the room that I oftentimes meet her when I kind of like visualize meeting myself. And in throughout the day, like acknowledge her existence and let her know that I'm here now, I'm listening. And over months and years of connecting with that part of myself, it is a much um, more like kind of fluid process of being able to honor and know what it is that I might need and to respond to it in a loving way. But that took a lot of work. Um, And so I'd love to hear from you if you have any like practices or kind of suggestions for folks who might hear that and be like, I mean, that sounds maybe kind of awkward, (laughs) which is usually a great sign. If something's awkward, it just means that like our brain is making a new connection, you know, like it's rewiring something Um, because their brain's like, that's not something we usually do. So it's usually a great sign, but it feels awkward. It's like something that we maybe need some guidance around. We're not used to kind of turning inward and talking to ourselves in these ways and responding in this, this loving way. So do you have any practices to kind of help people get 
started in doing this. Definitely. And I'll say before I get into practices that it's been really helpful for me to think of self-care as a skill that you can build Mm -hmm. and having that approach that exactly like you were saying, like it's so beautiful that you can start to instill this as a parent now. And also many of us didn't grow up with that type of self-care skill building. And so as you're doing it right now, it may feel awkward. That's good. Like you said, you're building new neural pathways and your brain will adapt and your being will respond to this new way that you're engaging with yourself. Yeah. So if we break down the definition, the first piece is listening within. And so I really encourage people to find what is that way where you you can have that entry point into conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. So for some people, that's journaling. I have one client who records voice notes to herself and it really and then she'll listen back. Mm-hmm. And there's something about speaking out loud, but then also being able to hear herself almost as if she was someone else that yeah. allows her to respond differently. For some people, it's just sitting in a little bit of silence, not necessarily meditating where you're trying to be without thought, but really just trying to hear yourself, if you can, without kiddos in the background or without a podcast or without other things that yeah, you have without, going without on. taking in more information, right? Like, how, off, like yeah. how often do we actually get those margins, you know, to just be? And it doesn't have to be a lot of time. Like, yeah. it could be a minute or two minutes. It could be when you're like waiting to pick up your kid from soccer practice or something and you just turn down the radio and you listen to yourself for a couple of minutes. So that's the first entry point for people is really try and you might experiment, but how do I hear from myself? How do I know that there is an emotion that's bubbling up or that there's a conversation that I need to have, or that my body is craving some movement. Like, how is it that I speak to myself? And it might take a little while to be like, oh, I'm hungry. That's me speaking to myself. Mm. Or I'm feeling like a little twinge at the back of my eyes. That's me speaking to myself. And I find that for me personally, it's just creating a little pocket of space. And it's almost like I can almost feel it in my body, this sigh of relief almost, where it's like, oh, finally. I have so much to say to you, but you've been listening to podcasts and you've been running around so much (laughs) that like there wasn't even space for me here. Mm. So I'll pause there for a second. That's the first place is like finding space to listen Mm -hmm. within. And then we can get into like the loving responses side of things. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think that this this part – is so hard in the busyness and the hustling and the constant, again, thing that we've been sold and told of just like needing to do more, right? And like how product, how productivity has been defined, right? Like it was really uncomfortable for me to just be still to not be creating something or um, organizing something or scheduling something or producing something or teaching something or whole, listening to someone else and, and responding to their needs. Like it, it was very hard for me to get comfortable with 
slowing down and pausing and not and, and, and turning things off, right? And then to see that as actually being something that is productive in a very important and meaningful way. Um, and yeah, it's I, I really appreciate though that you're naming here that it really doesn't need to be that long. <laughs> like I think that again, another thing that we've been sold and told, right, is like mindfulness and self-care and you know, um, you know, creating space for ourselves needs to be this like big thing and it's just it doesn't feel realistic and then when we try it and it feels like it doesn't work it just makes us feel like super shitty and so then the chances of us like doing it again are probably not going to be that great because it's like that didn't feel good and i guess i'm just not capable right but truly like me just like in the pickup line like you said turning down the radio not listening to anything, not opening up Instagram or, you know, between clients during my lunch break, like stepping outside and just sitting and like looking around me. And it is for just a few minutes, like it's enough, you know, like it's enough to get us like beginning to tone this new skill of, of, of tuning in and like remembering that we are like a human in a body that has needs that like has been moving really fast for a really long time meeting everyone else's needs and like is starting to feel the exhaustion and the burnout or right the anxiety or the grief or the stress around that um so thank you for making it so manageable and realistic I appreciate that yeah what's what's this next step Yeah, I'll get into that just a second. I want to respond and just say that that some a point that I make in the book that I find myself making a lot is that time spent does not equal care experienced. And so we think that if we spend an hour meditating, that's better than spending five minutes meditating. But if you know you're never going to do an hour of meditation, then you spending two minutes, five minutes, one minute is better. And it just makes me kind of sad how many times we count ourselves out and we miss mm-hmm. opportunities to care for ourselves because we're, we're like, well, that's not enough time. So yeah. I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. When you would benefit so deeply from doing something. So just had to call that out um, yeah. before I get into the loving responses side of things, which there's two types of practices that I recommend. One is proactive practices. So those are the things that you put on your calendar ahead of time. And that could be something like a morning routine. Again, it's the point here isn't that you're like, I wake up at 4.57 a.m. and I do these things for the exact amount of time. It's really trying to distill the essence of what's going to be supportive for you. Mm -hmm. So for me, like my morning routine is I need to move my body. I need to have some type of reflection and I need to have some type of nourishment because I often forget to feed myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's like I do a 45-minute workout and I'm journaling a bunch of morning pages and I make like a beautiful breakfast for me and my husband. Mm -hmm. Other times it's like I stretch for two minutes. I write down three things that I'm (laughs) grateful for and I grab an apple because it's quick. So it's – 
not following this. It's not getting caught up in the perfectionism of following a specific schedule. It's understanding what are the elements I need and how can I expand or contract them depending on what time I have available to me. The other side of things are these responsive practices. And those are, I think of these as like a toolkit. So we all know your days do not go as planned. Is you can like the best laid plans, there's still gonna be something that pops up. Your kid is gonna do something you didn't expect. If you're working, you might have a coworker who sends you an email that like causes a reaction with you. And so your toolkit are these responses, these practices that you can have that are short and sweet and kind of bring you back to center, mm. not so that you can like gaslight yourself or spiritually bypass yourself and say, oh, there's no problem here. Right. We're just going to pretend everything's perfect. The goal is to get you to a place where you're more regulated so you can mm. go back to choosing your response instead of going on autopilot, mm. yeah. which is what we often do. So those are the two sets of practices you want some proactive practices, which would be your morning routine, or you know you get nervous before giving a presentation, or you know you struggle when you have to bring your kid to get their hair cut because they get stressed out, so you get stressed out. And then your responsive practices are those ones where something pops up, and instead of having in the midst of the emotion, you have to figure out what to do, you just already know. I have like clients who have this listed out so they can be like, I'm feeling dysregulated. Let me go to my list. I'm going to do deep breathing or Mm -hmm. I'm going to call a friend or I'm going to write a poem. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, Could you walk us through an example of a time? Because I I really appreciated your example of like the morning routine and the like fluctuation of what that can look like, but like it's still honoring – these things that are important to you. Could you walk us through a recent time where something was triggering and what you did to engage in more responsive um, caring for yourself? Yeah. So I have generalized anxiety. I also have PMDD and ADHD while we're just saying all of my diagnoses. And so what that can mean for me is that like the time – in my luteal phase right before my period Mm. and then the first few days of my period, it's like a minefield it feels like sometimes. I'll read – like anything can kind of dysregulate me. My anxiety tends to be higher. I'm more sensitive to even really constructive feedback from other people. Hey there. A quick word about our sponsor for today's podcast. Cozy Earth is one of my favorite brands. Their joggers, their pajamas, their tees for both myself and my husband, who's also a huge fan. We we love it. You know who else loves Cozy Earth? Oprah. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorite things. All of their products are made from responsibly sourced viscose from bamboo. Their loungewear is crafted from the same breathable, luxurious material as their bedding and offers optimal comfort while maintaining a flattering fit. I'm wearing Cozy Earth around the house. I'm wearing Cozy Earth to bed. I'm wearing Cozy Earth to go pick up the kids and to soccer practice. And I'm probably wearing Cozy Earth when I'm seeing clients. Uh, They're, you know, it's so comfortable and it works. So why not? Cozy Earth products are also a really great gift for a birthday or a holiday. 
they have provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use the code DrCassidy35. Go to the link in show notes to visit Cozy Earth. And so I'll notice, it often starts with my body. Like I know what it feels like for me to feel anxious. It shows up in my stomach and sometimes my legs will start to get tight. So the first thing is noticing, oh, these are the ways my body tells me that we're starting to get anxious. I may not have even mentally registered that I'm anxious yet, but my body is telling me those are the signs. And so what I'll do depending on where I am. If I'm like in a public place, my go-to is normally breathing. I like a really simple like extended exhale breathing or four, seven, eight breathing. Four, seven, eight is just kind of a another version of extended exhale. Yeah. So I'll break down both of those. The point of extended exhales is that you're engaging your parasympathetic nervous system for longer. So that's your rest and digest system. So When I need to keep it really simple, I'm just trying to breathe out for at least twice as long as I'm breathing in. The four, seven, eight is like a specific method to do that. So you're breathing in for four, you're holding for seven, you're exhaling for eight. Mm -hmm. So I love that when I'm in a public place or I'm in a meeting and I start to notice that I'm feeling anxious because you don't have to be closing your eyes when you're breathing. I can just be sitting there looking like I'm engaged and I'm like in for four hold for seven, out for eight. When I'm at home, I tend to do some breathing as well, but I also have like a weighted blanket that's really lovely. Mm -hmm. And so I'll get underneath that. If I have more time, I might also do some type of movement practice. I find like really engaging with my body. I liked how you talked about it before, like completing the stress cycle. Yeah can help me move through that anxiety. So those are a few different examples and it's really contextual. That's why I like having a toolkit. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna start doing downward dogs in the middle of this meeting, but I can (laughs) take some deep breaths. (laughs) Totally. I mean, even just the breath piece, like if I'm out in public, I do the extended exhale. Um, When I'm in private or at home, um, the type of breathing that has the most like uh, impact for me is on the exhale, um, creating some sort of vibration where it's like I'm either making like a sh sound, a hmm sound, or a vu. The vu one is like the best for me. Like, you know, you have to just kind of play around with it. So I'll inhale and then on the exhale, I'll go vu and that little vibration and what that does and how that triggers the parasympathetic rest and digest and how that regulates my nervous system is very powerful. Um, I also, as I mentioned earlier, like I picture myself turning inward and meeting the part of me that is feeling scared, overwhelmed, resentful, triggered, right? Like overstimulated um, and like just letting that part of me know that I'm, I'm here, that I see, um, that I'm interested in like understanding what they're needing. Um, and yeah, sometimes that's a like cup of tea, right? Like I've been really into, um, you know, a certain, t- a certain tea lately that has some like cinnamon involved and some like foamy oat milk and a little bit of honey and 
sometimes it looks like, you know, like getting my dog and, you know, inviting him to come lay on my chest. And and then sometimes, honestly, it's looked like me going to my husband and asking him to pick me up um, like mm-hmm. I'm a kid and to hold me, um, you know, and, and that's that's been a more recent one when I was – I found myself feeling triggered by a certain situation that really tapped into my feeling of like I'm a disappointment and like the fear around being a disappointment and letting people down. And I tapped into like I was in conversation with that part of myself and how I usually enter that is like hand over my chest or stomach or wherever I'm kind of feeling it and then just picturing like the part of me, like saying like, hey, I'm here. Like what's what's going on here? Um, and then just noticing that that little version of me really wanted to be held. And I think that's because it's almost like completing the moment when I was little and I thought that I disappointed somebody and I what I really needed was for them to just notice that I was feeling overwhelmed and um, was just trying my best, you know, and, um, and that I just need to be picked up and basically told like, you know, no matter what you do, I love you. You don't need to make me happy. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to accomplish things like you get to be messy, you get to be human and you're worthy of love. And I, and I, I literally went and told my husband this might, and he's used to it by now. He was like, this might sound a little awkward, but I think I told him the situation I got triggered by. He tried to kind of problem solve a little bit. I told him, I think really what I need right now is not a solution, but I think that I just need you to pick me up and kind of carry me like a kid um, and to just feel like safe in your arms for a bit. And he loved it because it was actually something he could do, which is what he was trying to help with was like coming up with a solution and act on it. And for me, it was actually meeting the deep need that I had, you know? And so – yeah, sometimes it just looks like some breathing. Sometimes it looks like asking my husband to carry me like a toddler, you know, and um, and they're all meaningful parts of, of responding in a caring way, right? They really are. And what I appreciate about that too is another kind of myth about self-care, especially in this hyper-capitalist way that we've sold it, that we've been sold to is that self-care is like a solo experience that I do by myself for myself. And yes, there are beautiful things that we can do for ourselves for self-care. And also care is something that we give and receive to each other. And like how meaningful is that to be able to invite people you love, whether it's like your partner or your kids or your friends or your family into opportunities to care Mm. for you and hopefully they reciprocate and you're able to to share things as well. I think the experience of both self-care and community care, when those can be in tandem, it's just so rich and so much more meaningful than just spending $20 on the thing that you think is going to make all your problems go away. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Ugh. Taylor, thank you so much. This, <laughs> as I knew it would be, it was such um, – a personally meaningful conversation for me to have. And I'm just so thrilled um, to get a chance to share it with 
the the listener. Where can folks connect with you, find you, continue to learn from you, find your book, all the good things? Yeah. The best place to connect is on our website, which is innerworkout.co. There's a link to our free self-care assessment that measures your well-being across five dimensions and gives you three personalized practices based on your results. And then there is a link to the book. And then you'll find links to our Self-Care Sundays newsletter and to our inner work, work, so many things. I'm like, so many inner work things, which is it? (laughs) Inner warm-up podcast. And definitely make sure you check out the conversation with Cassidy. And then we're kind of on Instagram. I, I say I'm kind of on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Inner Workout's kind of on Instagram at Inner Workout. But if you really want to be connected with us, check out the stuff on our website. Yeah, I saw you did you said on stories recently, which I, I think I like I like screenshotted it or I like put a note for myself. I was like, this is such a beautiful way to say this. And at some point I need I want to say something similar um, to my community, which is like I'm also kind of on Instagram now, you know, like I used to be on it a lot and now I'm just like kind of there, you know, like maybe once a week. <laughs> and on, I think on stories you said, I'm so glad to be connected with you here, but like where the real work is happening, like where, like where my, like where my best work, or I, for, I forget how you phrase it, my deepest work or my most meaningful work is actually not happening here. It's happening over in these places. And I'd love to bring you over there, you know, and I think that's kind of what, um, Instagram, I really see it as now is like, it's almost like people are walking down a street and you're in your house and you're kind of like yelling out at them, like, come over, you know, and and then if they do, um, you know, then it's to build the bridge to the other places where you can have that, those deeper, deeper connections, like this episode, like this conversation, like your book, like that incredible free resource that you offer. And um, anyway. Yes, I'm right there with you on all that. And I will be sure to share a link to all of these in the show notes for the listener. Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure and joy to connect with you again. Thank you for having me. This was such a treat, Cassidy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also... For you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.